This morning we're going to be in Daniel 6, and if you have your Bible, you can go that way. I know we were in Daniel last week. It's a different chapter, I um, promise. Um, but let's just pray real quick. Father God, we thank you. We love you. We just pray in God that you just move in your word. Your word says it's living. We believe it. It's effective. God, we believe it. And it's sharp, sharp enough to divide the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow. So God, this morning, we're just praying that you just move in this place. God, that for every person, every, every one of us, God, you'd just speak to our hearts that all the barriers maybe we carried in here this morning, we would just let those fall away for just a moment. And God, you would open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to what you're doing. God, we can't do that. I can't do that. That's you. It's a blessing from heaven. But God, I know that your will is that your people would know you and your will is that your people would come to know you. So God, we're just praying that over this place today. God, we need you and we love you. Just speak through your word. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Man, good morning. Um, that's, that was a healthy good morning. Thank you for that. Um, so excited to be here with you guys this morning and so excited about this word. Actually, I've been looking forward to this word for like two weeks now. And um, anyway, this morning we're going to be in Daniel 6. we trying to talk fast. <sighs> Man, just take a breath, right? I don't like have a voice now. It's raspy. Uh, break every chain. Thank you for that. Um, but, uh, man, it's okay. We don't need, like, pretty notes to praise God, do we? We just need, like, the breath in our lungs. And, uh, oh, man. All right, a couple of weeks ago, we started a series, uh, and uh, The Struggle is Real. That's the name of it. We got a lot going on this morning um, called The Struggle is Real. And if you've been around for very long, like, you, you probably know that's true, right? Like, there is struggle. Actually, life is a struggle, and it's a life full of struggles. Like it is one big struggle and it's got lots of little struggles in it. That's, that's kind of life. And, and there's good moments. I'm not trying to cast a dim picture over life, but probably for every good moment, there's one that's maybe not so good. And, and it's just reality. And I think we all really know that, right? Like everybody could say, yeah, I, I believe that, especially if you've been like alive for very long. Like there's stuff that happens that's not so pleasant. And in this life. And I just want to say today that that's true for everybody. That's not like just a me thing or a you thing. I know sometimes you feel alone and it's because we don't really talk about struggles. We do the, oh yeah, I'm, I'm okay. Right. How you doing? Oh, good. Good. That, that's a lie, by the way. Um, most people are not good when they tell you that. Um, they just know that you don't really want to know, right? <laughs> like we, we don't want the 30 minute version because we got somewhere to be and stuff to do, but that's like the socially acceptable answer is, I'm good, but we're not good. Like most of the time, it's just, it's true. We struggle, and that's true for people that know Jesus and people that don't know Jesus. And maybe that doesn't sound like a newsflash to some of us today, but it, but it maybe for some of us is. I grew up in church. Like I probably went more Sundays in my life than I've not went in my life, and that's not to brag on me or like mom. Like I didn't want to go, and she made me go. That was how that worked, and then like I don't know about... 16 something I discovered girls went to church and then I went to church you know like it was it was awesome um and um you know it's what it is sorry um but I grew up in church and I was told uh, man come to know Jesus from a very early age come to know Jesus and everything's going to be okay and eternally that that's true like 
we're going out of this place. We're going to be with him. We're going to see Jesus one day, and he's going to wipe away every tear from our eye. Like, there'll be no more sickness and pain and death and sorrow. Like, I'm looking forward to that day, but down here, that, that's not true. We're all going to experience pain and sickness and death and hurt and heartache and sin and, and sadness. Like, that's just part of this world, and it's true for all of us. But the thing is, is hearing that, it's going to be okay. And then living, it's, it's really not okay. It created a conflict in me because what I thought was either, A, I'm doing this wrong, right? That maybe I'm not saved or maybe I don't know Jesus or maybe I'm just like bad, which I am bad, by the way. Um, but maybe I'm just bad and I'm getting punished for it or you know, the other side of that is maybe maybe God doesn't care. Maybe God doesn't see me. Maybe maybe there's not God. I know some of you are like, whoa, you thought that? Yeah, I've dealt with that. And if you've dealt with that and you're honest about that, then probably all of you, right? Now, at this point in life, I've, I've seen enough of God that that's not really a question for me anymore. But it was. And it came out of this thing that somebody said, and I don't think they meant to cause harm, but it caused harm. And it was this, if you come to know Jesus, everything is going to be okay. And I'm here just to break that today. Like if you come to know Jesus, you're going to struggle just like people that don't know Jesus struggle because we're, as the Bible said, passing through this world. I created a perfect world and we messed it up and we're living in it, but we're not staying here. And one day God is going to come back and he's going to do something amazing and this world's going to pass away and we're going to behold a new heaven and a new earth and it will be perfect and there will be no more struggle. But today we're, we're living in it and the past few weeks we've been talking about like what does that mean for us and then how do we respond to that? How, how is God good and how can we trust in him in a world full of struggle and, and sorrow? And this morning we're going to just continue talking about that in Daniel 6. Now, um, most of you have heard this story probably if you've been around church very long, Daniel and the lion's den, like right, we talked about the precious moments Bible a couple weeks ago and how all these stories make it in there, but they don't make it in there like this. So just by the grace of God this morning, I'm praying that we would hear it as he would say it to us. And this morning, we're going to read the story of Daniel and the lion's den, but I'm going to hopefully set a little background for that first because Daniel didn't just pop up in the lion's den one day. Um, it says in, in six that there was this guy named Darius. Now there's some like historical, um, maybe, uh, my words are not working this morning. Uh, confusion about who this Darius guy is. Darius is just a title that means royal one. And there's not historically, uh, a, a guy named Darius that we can point to. And the, the thing is, there, there's, there's two people that it could possibly be. One, it's this governor of this area of Babylon. And two, that it's actually King Cyrus of Persia, who if you read uh, just the last verse uh, before this, we see that uh, he just came in and he took over this kingdom of, of Babylon. That's a real historical event that we find right there in that last verse. It really did happen. King Cyrus, the Persian, come in and did that. And and the options are that it's either talking about the governor of this area, Babylon, that Cyrus would have set up, or actually Cyrus himself. And the the last verse is the verse that gives you some confusion. 28, it says, so 
Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. And it's like those are two different people. But another translation or maybe even a better way to translate that is that he, he prospered during the reign of Darius, even Cyrus the Persian. So it's a good possibility that these two guys are actually the same guy. And royal one is just the title that he took on, Darius. So kind of like Pharaoh or, or you know, uh, Caesar would be, Darius would mean kind of the same idea. So we see that Darius, whoever that guy is, decided to appoint 120 satraps. Now, we don't know what that is because we don't use that, but these are lower-level government officials that would be kind of in charge of this new government that he has to set up. He just took over the area of Babylon, big, large area, a kingdom in itself. He took over that, and now he has to be able to control that. So he starts setting up this new government system, and that includes these 120 lower-level government officials and they were stationed throughout the realm of Babylon and it says over them he set up these three administrators these guys that would be over these 120 to make sure they were doing what they were supposed to be doing to to keep them accountable and then it says that one of these guys was actually um, Daniel the guy that we're going to be talking about it says these satraps would be accountable to them so that the king would not be defrauded in other words they were making sure the king got his tax money Um, It says, Daniel in three distinguished himself above the administrators and the satraps because he had an extraordinary spirit. There was something different about this guy than all the other guys. He had an extraordinary spirit. So the king planned to set him over the whole realm. So what we have is the king comes in, he sets up this new government, 120 lower level guys, and then three guys over them. But Daniel is something different, something that's making the king a lot of money, something that's bringing the king some prosperity in this area. Daniel has an extraordinary spirit and God has blessed Daniel because Daniel belongs to God. Um, That's really like the the kind of people we want to be at work, I guess, or we should be at work as people that our boss looks at and says, there's something different about that guy. And the difference is he's somebody that follows God. And it says that Daniel distinguished himself among these people. So Darius wanted to set him up over all these people. Now here's the conflict of the story. The administrators, the other two guys, and the satraps, the 120 other guys, therefore kept trying to find charges against Daniel regarding the kingdom, but they could find no charge of corruption, for he was a trustworthy, and he didn't, and no neglect or corruption was found in him. So, in other words, Daniel's a good guy. Now, these are guys; these 122 guys, right, are guys that wanted what Daniel had. They wanted the, the power that he was about to be given by the king, or maybe at this point in time had already been given. They were jealous because what Daniel had been given, but the problem is they didn't want to go about it the same way as Daniel went about it. They wanted the reward, but they didn't want to be the kind of people that were going to get that reward, right? These are guys that had to have people watch over them because they were the guys that were going to take the tax money and put it in their pocket. They were the guys who were going to maybe not be trustworthy, and they were going to be people that had neglect and and did want to defraud the king. They didn't want to go about it the right way, but they wanted the power. So here's the conflict of the story. We're jealous of what he has. And we need to do something about it. So they start looking uh, for for things to find against him. The problem is there was nothing to find against him. Now, I'm not Daniel. I'm not trying to claim to be Daniel. Like, I'm I'm, I'm not sinless and spotless. And he he had his issues too. But, I mean, Daniel was a a really good guy. And these guys see this. And they're like, well, what are we going to do? We, We don't want him to have it. We actually, like, if he gets taken out of his spot, somebody else will get put in his spot. And they come together and they make this plot. Well, let's just create an issue. 
If we can't find one, we'll just make one, right? Now, here's, here's what's crazy about this. I just want to point this out. This is for free this morning. Um, this shows, like, the, the heart of these guys, right? They're not worried about the king. They don't care about Daniel. They, they just want that position, that spot. But there's 122 guys vying for that spot. They all come together, and, and they start talking about how they're going to get that spot. And, but here's the thing. Only one of those guys is going to get that spot. And then there's going to be 121 other guys trying to get that spot. And then there's going to be 120 guys trying to get that spot until there are no more guys to get that spot. Do you see the the issue that this leads to? See, when we want something that's not ours and we're willing to take it by force and we're willing to be on maybe a squad of people that are willing to take it by force, you better hope you're not the one who gets it. Because the same people that would talk about Daniel would talk about you. The same people that would try to get him thrown in the lion's den will try to get you thrown in the... You see the, you see the hole of this problem? These are not 122 guys trying to get Buddy Joe elected to the spot. These are 122 guys all trying to get the spot. And they will fight and they will claw and beat each other up till they all have had a shot at it. It's not about Daniel. It's about the, the prize. And that's for free this morning because... Man, I don't want me to be one of those 122 people, and I don't want you to be one of those 122 people. See, what we don't need is something that God's not given us, a position, a place that God's not put us in. See, when God's put us there, he'll protect us there. Nobody can get us out of that spot. But when we fight and claw and want something that God has not granted us, we're actually working against and moving against the will of God. And the the side effects of that, the ramification of that is we're in for some hurt. So here we have these people who've tried to find a conflict with Daniel and they can't. So they go and they create one because they say, we will never find a charge against Daniel unless we find something against him concerning, listen to this, the law of his God. They knew the character of Daniel. In 6, it said, so the administrators and the satraps went together to the king and they said to him, may King Darius live forever. This is called the suck up. All right. They're about to say something good so that they can kind of get his attention on that and not what they're about to do. It says in 7, all the administrators of the kingdom and the prefects and the satraps, whatever that is, and a divisor, there's a big structure here, maybe more than 122, and governors have agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an edict that for 30 days, anyone who petitions any god or man except you, the king, will be thrown into the lion's den. Therefore, because of this, your majesty establish an edict and sign a document so that as the law of the Medes and the Persians, it is irrevocable and cannot be changed. So King Darius signed the document. Here's the plan they come up with. They get to the king and they're like, hey, we all got together. Everybody, right? Like everybody from the top to the bottom, anybody who's involved, they listed like 14 different jobs, right? And we've been talking about two. They're like all the administrators, all the satraps, governors, Parker, you know, like uh, maintenance workers. They all got together. And we decided that, that you're the new king and we want people to respect your power. And, and here's, a, here's a good way to make that happen. You should make a law that anybody that, that asks anybody for anything, whether that be a god of, of whatever flavor or a man, that's not you that you're going to throw into the lion's den. So here's this piece of paper, sign it, right? 
shoves it across the table. We already wrote it down for you. Put your name on it. And the king goes, man, that's, that's an excellent idea. I'm the king. They got to respect my power. They got to know, like, I'm, I'm the guy. I can answer all their stuff. So I can do everything is what the king thinks. And if somebody needs something, they can come to me and they can ask. They don't need these gods. They don't need these people. They can ask me. So he signs the thing. And the last little bit, it says in eight, is that once you sign this, it's like the law of the Medes and the Birds. It cannot be revoked or changed. It's final. Now, that's historically true, and there's other places in the Bible that back up that. Once one of these kings makes this law, not even the king can change the law. And that sets us up with an issue to the story. There's one thing the king at least can't do, and it's changed the thing the king said. This is in 10, when Daniel learned that the document had been signed. Now, this is where our problem starts, right? Like two verses earlier, hey, we got together with all the administrators and satraps and governors and all the other people and the maintenance workers and the farmers. We got together with everybody. Um, No, we didn't. Daniel learned about it in verse 10, and they lied about it in like verse 6. This is when Daniel learned that the document had been signed. It says he went into his house. Probably not excited that the document had been signed, right? We don't read this yet, but Daniel's a man who follows God. And because he follows God, he prays to God. That's like part of the package. So when he hears this, that it's been signed, he goes into his house. And it says the windows in his Upper room were open towards Jerusalem. He was not in Jerusalem. He was in Babylon, but he was praying towards Jerusalem, the holy city of God, you know, where the temple is and the ark should be. And it says, And three times a day he got down on his knees and he prayed, and he gave thanks to his God just as he had done, just as he'd been doing. I love that because Daniel didn't start praying for the first time in verse 10 when all the issues and the struggles and the troubles were about to come, right? He heard about the law. Don't petition man or God or I'm going to be thrown into the lion's den. And he knew like this, this was aimed towards him. These people probably, you know, he'd heard them, you know, talking in the corner at the water cooler, he knew, you know, like they were jealous of him. You've been around somebody that's kind of jealous. You could pick up on that usually. Um, he, he knew that. And he hears this and he knows that he prays to God. And that actually now is against the law. <laughs> For 30 days, he's not supposed to pray to God. And he knows if he prays to God, he's going to be in trouble. And that if somebody finds out about it, they're going to, they're going to throw him in the lion's den. He, he knows all this. But it says he goes upstairs and he prays just as he had been doing. He didn't start asking God to 
come through or to keep him safe or to whatever on the day the trouble started happening. This is the character of of Daniel. He's a man that has been praying. He's a man that has been communicating with God. He has a relationship with God. And really, we can make a strong argument that everything we've read so far about Daniel is because he has a relationship with God, that he's blessed because he has a relationship with God. He's, he's given this position because he has a relationship with God, that, that he's trustworthy and honest, and, and people are noticing that because he has a, a relationship with God. So when the trouble comes, it doesn't derail anything. It doesn't like, I don't know if I want to do this, or I don't know if I'm going to talk to God for the next 30 days. It's just like, I'm going to go about business and let God be God, and I'm going to keep being me. Because everything I've got to this point in time is from God, and I trust God that whatever comes is going to be from God. All I know is I have a relationship with God, and everything I'm getting to be part of is from God. So he just goes upstairs, and and he prays. It says he does this three times a day, and he gave thanks to God. I love that. He didn't go upstairs and say, God, help me not get thrown in the lion's den today. He's just, thanks, God. Thanks for the law. All right. I'm going to keep doing it anyway. Thanks for all your blessings. I'm going to keep doing it anyway. Just as he had been doing before. 11, it says, then these men went as a group and found Daniel petitioning and imploring his God. They they find him praying. I don't know how that happens because he's in his house and he's upstairs. So I don't know if maybe like they're in a taller house and they look down in there. They like sneak in his house or there's like a little trap door or something. I don't have no idea. But anyway, these guys, they come and they see that Daniel hasn't stopped doing anything. They probably know he prays at breakfast and he prays at lunch and he prays at evening or whatever his schedule is. They, They know that he's a man of God. This whole law was created to harm him purely for that fact. So they went as a group and they find Daniel positioning and Uh, imploring his God. So they approach the king and they ask him about his edict. They go to the king and they're like, hey, king, um, did you not sign an edict that for the next 30 days, any man who petitions any God or man except you, the king, will be thrown into the lion's den? Did you say that? I think I remember you saying that. You you signed that, right? Like there there was that thing that happened and you said anybody that ask anybody or any God for anything for 30 days, they're going to be thrown in the lion's den. I remember that. Do you remember that? So they go to the king and they they just kind of remind him, this is what he said. And then they go on and they say, or the king answers, he says, As the law of the Medes and the Persians, the order stands and is irrevocable. The king acknowledges, yes, I said that, and it can't be changed. That's the whole thing. He doesn't know where they're going with this. He has no idea what's coming down the pike. So it says, then they replied to the king, well, Daniel, one of the Judean exiles, has ignored you. He doesn't care what you say. Yeah, Daniel, he, he doesn't care. He doesn't care about the edict. He doesn't care about your laws. Uh, then he ignored you, the king, and the edict you signed, for he prays three times a day. This is just what they say. Now, what they're doing here is what we talked about last week. Like, I'm a teacher, so I know this. Like, if, if, if there's somebody sitting in the front row dro- drooling, like, over what's happening and, like, everybody else is doing what they're supposed to do, I'll stop class sometimes and I'll be like, hey, what did I just say to do? And then the whole class answers. And what I know is if the whole class can tell me except for one or two kids, like, if the majority of people know, then the problem's not with what I said. The problem's with the person who doesn't know what's happening, right? So they come in and they're like, hey, uh, you signed that. We know that. You know that. Just to be clear, like there's a bunch of us and there's you. And we all know that. But Daniel, he, he just doesn't care. 
trying to create some friction between Daniel and the king because, you know, like Daniel has got a position because the king has elevated him. the, The king likes Daniel up to this point in time, and they're trying to tear that down. Not because they care about the king. They don't care what the king says. This was their idea, not the king's idea. They, they don't care that he's disrespecting the king. Like, that's not really the big deal because they don't even probably really care about the king. They just care about their self. So they come in and they're like, hey, you said this, but Daniel's doing this. Uh, and, and, the, and the king is kind of put in a place here. It says actually is... As soon as the king heard this, he was very displeased. Now, last week we saw with Nebuchadnezzar that he was mad mad. This is not the same thing. Actually, Darius, he's he's not mad at all. Not at Daniel, anyway. It says he's displeased, and it says right after that, he set his mind on rescuing Daniel. And he made every effort until sundown to deliver him. So he hears this, and, and the king's like, oh, man. He's not like, oh, man, Daniel's ignored me. He's like, oh, man, they got me because I can't change this law. The king is powerless, actually, to do this. And it says the king, for for the whole rest of the day, is like locked himself in a room thinking about, like, how am I going to get Daniel out of this? How am I going to get him out of trouble? Now, can you, you imagine that? A king who's used to getting everything he wants, like he can say it and it has to be done and he commands armies and cities and like a, like a nation. Like if he, wants, uh, if he wants a hamburger, he's getting a hamburger, right? Like if he wants you to go jump off the cliff, you're going to go jump off the cliff. Like this is that king. And now he, he's, he's kind of backed into a corner probably for the first time in his life and he doesn't know what to do about it. So he goes and he, he starts thinking, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? And it says in 15, then these men went to the king and they said to him, you as king know it is law of the Medes and the Perds that no edict or ordinance the king establishes can be changed. They remind him, hey, what are you, what are you waiting on? You can't change this. You can't do anything about this. They tell this king, you have no power over this. Like, you signed it, and now you're going to live with it. Like, like, Daniel has to be thrown in the lion's den. It says in 16, so the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel, and they threw him in the lion's den. This is the story, Right? These guys come against Daniel with bad motives, right? Like this is the ultimate like bad things happen to good people story. Daniel hasn't done anything against God. He hasn't sinned. He hasn't forgotten God. He didn't leave God when, when, the, when the thing was, hey, don't pray. He decided I'm going to keep praying. But then Daniel, for really following God, for, for doing what was right, gets punished. He's, he's praying to God, and he's asking God to come through. And then what we see, at least right now in the story, is God doesn't come through. And then the whole reason he's here is because he was following God. I, I, w- I want us to hear that. Daniel is thrown in the lion's den at this point in time in the story. Not the kitten den, but like 
a hole full of lions. He's thrown in that, and the whole reason he's here can be blamed on no one other than God. He was following God. He was praying to God. He was petitioning God. There was a law that said, don't do that. And he said, you know what? I don't really care what the law says because this is God, and I just I believe God. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep doing what I'm doing. I'm going to go about the business as usual. And as he's going about business as usual, he's thrown in the lion's den for going about business as usual. And this is the point in the story. Like, if we don't know what happens after this, like, we would be thinking, like, God just didn't come through. Right? Like, anybody, anybody read that with me like that? Like, it looks like, and I know we've, we've read this before, but, like, if we just stopped right here, what we see is, is God didn't come through on his part of the deal because we think, like, if we do the God thing, then God will do his side. And if I go to church and I pray prayers and I, and I, you know, get saved and I sing songs and I, and I, and I just I believe with everything in me, then nothing bad's ever going to happen to me. And Daniel 6 says, that isn't true. See, the truth of it is today, you can go to church every Sunday, every time the doors are open, and you, you, can, you can get saved, and you can sing songs, and you can change your radio station, you can change your lifestyle. You can, you can live as sinless as humanly possible, and bad stuff will and can still happen to you and around you. And this is the point in the story where we're tempted to go, God, where are you? You you think Daniel didn't know, like, this was a possibility. And you think Daniel was like, God, you just chuck me in there. I want to be in the lion's den. Like, nobody prays that. But here we are in this moment, in this very real moment. And this is a moment today that some of us are are sitting in. This moment where, you know, like we were doing the the God thing and then seemingly whatever is happening around us, God didn't come through. I pulled my weight, God, but you didn't pull your weight. I've had this conversation with God. Some of you big eyes again, like, oh, I can't believe that you're being honest. Because you have too. This is, this is a real struggle of faith that we come to. We talked about that crossroads last week where we come to it and we have to decide, like, do we believe God is capable of doing what he says he's going to do? And then part two, what are we going to do if he doesn't? What are we going to do when we end up in the lion's den? What are we going to do when we end up in the fire? What are we going to do when we have to struggle with real things, real life, things that happen to all kinds of people? Because we think we came to church, so we're exempt from all those things. And it's not reality. So Daniel prays, and he prays, and he prays, and he talks to God, and he follows God, and he's trustworthy, and he's good, and he's a a righteous man by the standards of the people around him, yet here he is in the middle of the lion's den. And let's just be honest. If the king can't save you, the circumstances say you're not being saved. He's the most powerful guy, like, Probably on the planet at this point in time. 
Like talking about flesh and blood, he's the man. And he couldn't even do anything to help you. So the circumstances say, I'm in a hole and lions eat meat and I am meat and this is not going to go well. I can run, but I'm in a hole with lions. And I can climb, but I'm in a hole with lions. And at some point in time, just circumstantially, what everything around me is saying is I am doomed. And God didn't come through. That's the moment we're living in, in this part of the story. Anybody been there? Anybody thought that? Let's just be honest. Anybody, anybody thought, God, like I did the thing. And you didn't do the thing. We all have. We've, we've all been there. And this is the moment that we're reading about. Can I just say, like, Daniel 6 teaches us that that is a normal thing. Church may teach us that that's not a normal thing, but Daniel 6 teaches us that's a normal thing. That God's people do, in fact, suffer. That God's people do, in fact, struggle. That God's people will, in fact, look at circumstances in their life sometimes and think, like, there is no way I'm getting out of this. That I am, in fact, doomed. That's a real thing. And I just want to say, like, that's not just Daniel 6. That's over and 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 over again through the Bible. There are people that have followed God all the way to their death. And they're in heaven right now. But at some age, earthly travel ended for them. And it was because to the people looking around, maybe God didn't come through. Jesus was not exempt from suffering. We will not be exempt from suffering. And the Bible points to the fact that while we are here, we're going to deal with stuff. It is a normal thing. It says, so the king gave the order and they brought Daniel and they threw him into the lion's den. And the king said to Daniel, I love this. May your God whom you serve, listen, continually rescue you. I don't know how it took this long in the story for the king to realize that this was aimed at Daniel. (laughs) He knew enough about Daniel to know that Daniel had a relationship with God and that he prayed to God. But what you see in this moment when Daniel is thrown in the lion's den, this man who has no faith in this God throws out a little prayer to this God. The story is called Daniel in the lion's den, but I really wonder if it's the king's faith that we're talking about. Maybe not so much Daniel. So he prays, hey, Daniel, I couldn't save you, but maybe your God can. It says a stone was brought and it was placed over the mouth of the den. In other words, he was sealed up in there. And the king sealed it with his own signet ring so that nobody could open it or move it. If the seal's broken, it was tampered with and that guy was going to have a really bad day. And with that signet ring and his nobles so that nothing in regard to Daniel could be changed. This was Daniel's 
fate aside from God. It says, then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him and he could not sleep. So the king goes into the palace and all night what he does is he fasts. And I would assume probably prayed. Not to his gods. This king was in a vulnerable spot at this moment because this king knew that aside from God that Daniel had no hope because the king couldn't do anything for Daniel. So all night he's up, God, just, just, if you're real, save him. If you're real, do the thing. If, if, you, if you're really there, do something for Daniel. It says at 19, at first light of dawn, the king got up and he hurried to the lion's den. King's been up all night praying. Light starts busting through the window and he can see to go to the den. Daniel's been there the allotted period of time and the king just takes off. Because he wants to see what's happened. It says, and when he reached the den, he cried out in anguish to Daniel. Daniel, servant of the living God, the king says, has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue you from the lions? Now let's just look at this. Daniel's in a den full of lions who eat meat and Daniel is meat. The king was in anguish. He stayed up all night. I do not believe the king had faith that Daniel would be alive when he called out into that thing. He was in panic. This was a God he didn't know. It was a God Daniel knew, but he was just kind of living off whatever Daniel believed at this point in the game. And he gets there, and just like maybe just this little 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 piece of him was like maybe and he cries out into this den and he says daniel has your god whom you serve been able to rescue you and in 21 it says then daniel spoke now like here's the miracle it doesn't even matter what happens after this right Like then Daniel spoke, like he's been in the den the whole night with the lions who eat meat and he is meat. Like that's there. That's a thing. He's been in there for a period of time. The king's not thinking Daniel's going to talk back. He yells in maybe just a tiny bit of hope. And here's what comes back out. Hey, now that wasn't a lion talking. It's a miracle. Daniel got put in the lion's den and everything around that situation says, that's not going to go well. You don't believe me. Let's go to the zoo after church. That's not going to go well. You better hope they ate lunch that day, right? He's in a dark pit with things that want to eat him. He's probably wondering if he's going to die. The king's thinking that he's probably dead. Because at the beginning of this, it looks like God hasn't come through. But here he is speaking out of this occasion saying, hey, God has come through. And he says this, may the king live forever. I'm here. 22, let me tell you about it. My God sent his angels to shut the lion's mouth 
They haven't hurt me, for I was found innocent before him. Also, I've not committed any crime against you. My king, this is what he says back out. He's like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm here. Let me tell you what God did. This is what we call a testimony. It's like an old church word where like somebody says, hey, this is what God has done. I don't know if you've been around church for very long, but it used to be like people would just say these things and like you would know these stories and you'd hear stories all the time about how God was faithful to God's people. I, I remember those days where somebody was dealing with something and the whole church was like, there's no way in the world that anything's going to come good out of this. And then like something good comes out of it because God stepped into the story. So the king's thinking, there ain't no way Daniel's going to be alive. And he calls out and he's like, hey, Daniel, are you alive? And the first thing Daniel says is not, yeah, can you get me out of here? Or yeah, can you bring me something to eat? Or yeah, I have a new best friend who's a lion. He says, let me tell you about what God's done. Amen. Oh, yeah, I'm here, God. <laughs> He sent an angel down here, and he just, he just shut the lion's mouth. It was really awesome. I've just been sitting here petting this thing all night. Like God came in, and, he, and he, he took care of the circumstances. I was still in the place I didn't want to be. I was still in the hole all night. I was still in this situation that says it's not going to go well, but I didn't have to sweat it because God was taking care of the situation. He says, he come down and he, and he shut the mouths of the lions because I haven't done anything against God and I haven't done anything against you. And it says in 23, the king was overjoyed. And he gave orders to take Daniel out of the den. So Daniel was taken out of the den, listen to this, uninjured. For he trusted in his God. There's some more story after that, but I think that's the powerful moment in the story, isn't it? Daniel's the definition of somebody who's trying to follow God. He's trustworthy, he's righteous among the people. And then he gets in this situation which... None of us want to be in this situation where it looks like, man, nothing's good. Nothing good's coming out of this. He gets in this situation where it looks like he's about to be destroyed. He's about to be crushed, that there's no way he's coming out of it. But I want to say this. It's a situation that God led him into. This is exactly where God placed him. The story of Daniel in the lion's den is not an occasion where God took a nap and something fell through the cracks. This is an occasion where God placed one of his people in a situation that his people really don't want to be in. And that happens a lot. And it happens to us. Just because we're somewhere we don't want to be doesn't mean we're not exactly where God wants us to be. And I don't know what your struggle looks like. And I'm not trying to make light of that. Like I know that there are horrible things that happen in this world. But what I know is God doesn't leave us in horrible places all alone. That God placed Daniel in this moment and he allowed Daniel to be thrown in the lion's den. Not because Daniel had done anything wrong, but because God was about to do a thing. He allowed the stone to be rolled in front of the door. Remember a few minutes ago when we were talking and it was like, we didn't know the plan, but God knew the plan the whole time. Daniel had no idea from what we see. He had no special revelation from God from what we see of why God was going to place him in this moment in this den. 
I didn't see a conversation in there where God was just like, hey, you know what? Like, like here's the thing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you're, you're following me, so I'm going to put you in this den, and I'm going to seal you up in there, but don't worry. There was never that conversation that I see in that story, but it didn't change the fact that God had a plan, even though Daniel didn't know the plan. So God takes Daniel and he allows him to be in this place and and we see what's happening with the king in the background, right? Isn't it funny that this story is Daniel in the lion's den, but really all we know about the story is Daniel gets put in the lion's den. We don't get Daniel's thoughts and perspectives because none of that really is what the story's about, is it? Because God's doing something much bigger than, than, than Daniel in this moment. God's not doing something just in the lion's den. He's doing something in Babylon, and he's allowing Daniel to be part of it. He placed Daniel in the lion's den with the lions, and he walked him in. But here's the amazing thing. He walked him right back out. All the situation says he's doomed. All the situation says there's no way he's getting through this. The whole situation says, Daniel, you best figure something out because God has left you. That's what the situation screams. But it says that Daniel trusted God. Daniel trusted God. Now, how many of us in this moment could say that that would be what they write about us? How many of us have been in a situation in our lives where we've thought, God, you've given up on me. God, you've left me. God, you don't hear me. God, you've wronged me. How many of us can say that? I can say I've said that. Let's just be honest. How many of us, just do it today, right? Let's just be honest. Let's be real in the house. How many of us have thought, God, you didn't come through? You didn't come through. I just want you to look around. Keep them up. Look around. You are not the only one who's been here. You're not the only one who's been here. See, the reality is we're all going to struggle. We're all going to be in places we don't want to be. We're all going to deal with things in life that we don't want to deal with. We're all going to live in this fallen world that has sickness and pain and addiction and heartache and heartbreak. We're going to lose people and we're going to find people and we're going to lose ourselves sometimes. We're going to struggle with sin and guilt and shame. We're going to feel like God's left us in a pit. Like, look at, look at what Paul says. I've prayed over and over and over again that you would take this thorn away, but you just won't. I know you feel like that sometimes. Like, God, I've prayed you just take this away, and you won't take it away. But here's the amazing thing. Put your hand back up if every single time God's come through for you. God's come through over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. I was talking, can I tell your story? How many times have you been in, in threat of being laid off from work? 10, 11 times. Got news this week, right? That, that maybe that's coming again. God's not going to leave you. He didn't leave you the 10 times before and he's not going to leave you today. 
Some of you have been there. Let's just be real today. Can we? Can we be real today? How many of you have dealt with addiction? Dealt with addiction. And how many of you has God come through for? Rescued you. You thought there was no way out. You thought you're never getting out of that. Well, you're out. How many of you have dealt with heartache? Some of you are right now. Let's just, how many of you have God's rescued you from that? He said in that, I'm enough. You're what I need. He said to you, you know what? I, I see you. You're, you're worthy. You're loved. You're enough. We're, we're all going to go through the fire and we're all going to walk through the flood and we're all going to be thrown in the middle of the lion's den. But here's the amazing thing today. We can trust a God who has a track record of faithfulness. We can trust a God who has a track record of coming through. We can trust a God who never leaves us or forsakes us. We can trust that God today just like we could last time and the time before and the time before and the time before and everything in us may say leave, run, get out of here but let's listen to this the disciples were standing before Jesus one day and Jesus said something and all the crowds walked away and Jesus looked at the disciples he looked them in the eye and he looked he asked him this honest question he says are you going to leave too are you going to leave too You think that there aren't people who've walked away from Jesus who have been to church for 60 years and said, you know what, I'm done. It happens. Because we will all, if we've been around long enough, we'll be asked, are you going to leave too? Are you going to walk out on me? Are you going the way they went? Are you leaving like they left? But you know what they said back to Jesus? because they knew Jesus, because they'd spent time with Jesus, because over and over in good days and bad days, they'd made a connection with Jesus. They'd been with Jesus. They said, where would we go? Where are we going to go? Who else has love like you? Who else has freedom like you? Who else has grace like you? Who else makes me feel like you do? Who makes me feel worthy like you do? The answer is nobody. Nobody. And Jesus is saying to us today, in every hurt, in every heartache, in every struggle, I'm enough yesterday and I'll be enough today. And tomorrow when we come up out of this thing, I'm still going to be enough. You hang on and you trust and you have faith. It doesn't matter what they take from you. It doesn't matter what they do to you. I am enough and I believe it today with everything in me. Can we just do this today? If you believe Jesus is enough, if Jesus has brought you through something, if Jesus has rescued you, if you've come through, let's just stand up today. You look around. Our God has never failed. And he's not going to start today. 
And he's not going to start with you. And you're like, why are we standing up today? Because some of us need to know today because we're struggling today. We are at the crossroad today of walking up out of this thing. And we hear the question in our face today, are you leaving too? And we need to see a lot of testimony today. Because out of that testimony today, there's hope. So can we just pray? And if today that's you that we're speaking of and you know it's you today, you know it's you today, I just, I just want you maybe just to grab the person next to you. And if you're next to us, there's no shame in this place, right? Like we are broken people and we mess up and we sin and we have heartache and we, we have thoughts and there's an enemy and he wants us to run. There's no shame in this place. If somebody's struggling today, we're here to help today. If somebody grabbed you today, I want you right now to put your arms around them and I want people to come around and we're just going to pray. We're going to lift each other up today. I'm struggling today. I don't know where God is today. I feel left out and alone today, but I know in me, in my heart of hearts, there's a God who's never going to leave me. And I need somebody today to come around and say, he didn't leave me. And he's not going to leave you. So, Father God, today, for those of us in this room that are struggling, those of us that are wavering right now in in this moment of, I don't know where you are, God. Those of us maybe this morning that are honest enough to say, I feel let down and alone. I feel like, God, I shouldn't be in this place. That, God, we could just hear you say, I haven't left you. That I've not forsaken you. I've not walked away from you. I'm right here with you. And it may feel like you're in the fire today, but there's somebody with you in the fire. And it may feel like you're backed up against the water today, but there's somebody with you who can part the water. And it may feel like you're in the middle of the pit in the lion's den today and you can see their teeth and you can feel their breath on your skin. But there is a God who has never left us alone and who shuts the mouths of lions. And today, God, we want to trust in you. God, help us have faith when it doesn't make any sense. Help us trust that you have a plan even when we got no plan. And help us, God, today to believe that you are enough when we feel empty and alone. You're enough. There's nobody like you. 
If you're struggling today, don't do it alone. If you've been rescued today, you need to tell that story of rescue. But I want to say today, for some of us, maybe we don't know this Jesus that we've been talking about. We've been going back and forth. We, we know the gospel. We've heard the story. We know Jesus came to die for us, but we've never made it personal to us. And this morning, you know that God's saying you can come and you can have a relationship with me. I just want to give you a moment just to pray. You don't need me to lead you through anything. You don't need anything. You just, you just need God. Maybe you don't have like a, the pretty flowery prayer. Well, here's the amazing thing. Save me is enough. Enough. 